0: Hi, this is James Jocom, host of Webcom's Reviews and Interviews. Today we're looking at baseball and art. So sit back, relax, and let the Geek Fest begin. When it comes down to it, professional artists and professional athletes have a lot of really cool stuff in common. That is, you're dealing with somebody who's do, you know has this incredible passion for something and is trying to become the best of what they can be relative to that passion. But ironically enough, the skills that make them a bigger success, that is, in a lot of ways, become the success, have nothing to do with the skills that you're actually practicing on the field. That is, I don't care how great a pitcher you are or how great an illustrator you are, there's always going to be a limit to how far you can go as long as you're basically just trying to emphasize your pitching or your drawing skill. At some point, you're going to have to master a lot of other skills beyond those in order to become a great success with that in mind it might not be a bad idea to see what it takes to become a professional athlete or actually become a successful professional athlete and then try to apply that to becoming a professional artist um, before we get going obviously I going to suggest that artists join some sort of local league be it baseball, hockey soccer maybe if for no other reason than becoming physically active, is carries with some really great health benefits. Also, you're basically come in with a great little social bonus because you're obviously going to be dealing with a team. And let's get real, as artists, we don't get to interact with a lot of people a lot of the time. Better yet, there's the stress release aspect. In this case, what I'm sort of looking at is that, well, let's get real. If you're playing one of the various ball games, or even hockey, you're basically trying to cause some damage to a particular item in order to move it across the field. With baseball, for example, you're hitting a ball. Soccer, you're taking a ball. Hockey, you're taking a big wooden stick and hitting something plastic. And if you happen to run into other people along the way yeah it's a great way to just do some damage. And let's get real when you've been dealing with a client all day you're going to want to do damage to something by the end of the day. If it happens to involve some sort of wooden stick and something you hit yeah you're Gonna to want to do something, join some sort of league. Nonetheless, like you said, it's gonna be sort of interesting to look at what it takes to become a successful professional athlete and how that applies to you as a professional artist. Let's start nice and simple with good old follow through. When it comes to baseball, when we talk follow through, we're talking when you throw a ball. When the ball is released, you don't just simply stop your hand right there but you allow the hand to go through with whatever motion is necessary this is follow through the advantage to the throw is not only does it increase the accuracy but it also increases the range of the ball the logic is pretty obvious that is you're not putting the minimum amount of force required to throw the ball but you're basically throwing as much into it as possible and just simply letting and seeing what happens which I know is oversimplification, because obviously you know it's going to have happen. But the key here is that by using follow-through, that is, by not stopping at the exact moment when you necessarily stop, and by putting as much effort into whatever you're doing as you possibly can, you're going to get much better results. than if, say, you just simply threw the ball, and as soon as the ball was released, you stopped your hand. You know? The important point here is that you're not doing just the bare minimum in order to do something. You're putting some honest effort into it, and you're going all out. And when it comes down to it, that determination, that force, is something that you need to harness as an artist. Obviously, it has some other great applications, in terms of the mind game. At the very least, you know that you did not just simply put in all effort. You know that you gave it everything you got. So by the end of the day, you're going to be really satisfied in the effort you gave. There's going to be absolutely no question in your mind that you gave it everything you could possibly give it and that you basically Strove for the greatest possible success for that day. That feeling of satisfaction alone is worth following through on things. Plus, let's get real when we start looking at reputation. An artist that follows through on whatever they do is going to be a lot, you know, it's just going to have a lot better reputation than somebody who does the absolute minimal effort. I mean, there's just some really good stuff going on there in terms of building a really great positive reputation. I mean, sure, I can basically do stuff like, you know, you have to give 110%, but then you're have some idiot basically point out that you can only give as much as you got. These people are idiots. You should never let a mere thing of semantics stop you. You should basically press on no matter what. You should let your passion come in, take over, and use that passion to fuel whatever your drive is. So, there you are. Just do your best and, well, follow through on things. Part of this is that, well, an athlete will do a lot of practice. Obviously, practice makes perfect. The more that the athlete goes into the field, the better his muscle memory is going to be. And when it comes down to it, that's going to allow him to do a lot of really great things. In baseball especially, this is necessary because you've got a lot of stuff that you have to react on very quickly and even to a certain degree act before it happens. I mean, consider the act of hitting a fast-pitch ball. You're going to need to know where that ball is going ahead of time and you're going to need to swing as soon as you see it released. Well, practically as soon as it's released. When you're fielding, you're going to need to realize where everybody is and where the most effective place to throw your ball is as well as throw the ball at a very specific spot and you need to do this all pretty much without thinking. Practice allows you to do this. That is, through practice, you're not only building up the skills you need in order to succeed at the game, but you're also developing the muscle memory that allows you to reduce your reaction time. Part of practice is also looking at who you're up against and trying to figure out ways to defeat that opponent and then training a particular new style or trick in order to you know, deal with that opponent. And this can be uh, simple, simple as learning a new pitch, um, learning you know different ways of working as a team in order to defeat that opponent, or just simply becoming faster and stronger. Whatever works for the particular situation. Obviously, this applies really, really well to a professional artist. First off. The more you practice a particular move or drawing a particular arm or you know whatever particular field you're in, obviously you're developing a lot better muscle memory for that particular thing or the equivalent artistic equivalent. This is going to allow you to not only draw things a little bit faster but also draw them with more confidence as well as to draw them well just simply better. After all you've had plenty of time to play around with it. You got you can try twenty seven different million ways of drawing an arm to when you draw the arm the way you want it to be drawn. And in essence you can do a lot of stuff in practice that you can't do when you're actually drawing. It also allows you to occasionally take a step back off of one particular area and try to emphasize another area just as a professional athlete isn't going to be doing the exact same pitch every time he goes into the practice, you know, they're going to spend days where they practice particular pitches or other skills such as running or hitting, but the bottom line is is that they're not practicing the same skill, even the same specific skill, day in and day out. They're always rotating new skills in. That's something you as an artist can definitely get behind because, you're going to need to practice a whole lot of different skills and if you only spend all your time on just one particular area, well, nine times out of ten, you're going to get bored of it more than anything else. Rotating in will take out that boredom. But it also gives you a chance to breathe, step back, and, well, practice something else. Just like you don't do leg day five days out of a week. Yeah, you're going to get an incredible pair of legs, but what about your arms, You know? Keep in mind also that part of an athlete's practice isn't necessarily going out onto the field and doing whatever they're trying to do. A good part of it also is just simply reading and discussing. That is, reading up on the particular opponent they're up against or group of opponents, um, looking at some of the new techniques and all that that others are using to see how it applies to what they're doing, as well as discussing all of this. Obviously, we're talking about game day footage in a lot of cases, or even practice footage from other areas. But again, the big draw here and the big takeaway is that not only should you be practicing drawing arms and legs and so on, but you may also want to take a little step back and go grab an art book and look, leaf through and see what other people have done or are currently doing. You might want to go online and discuss various art techniques with other people to see if they've had the same problem you're having if they're trying something you might want to try yourself. That is you need to get over the concept that practice is just simply drawing the same things over and over. There's a lot more to it. Just going to a museum for an artist is a great practice day. Because you're going through there and looking at what other people have done how they've done it and In essence, you're looking for new ways of doing stuff, even if those new ways to you might be centuries or millennia old. You know, practice is a lot more than just taking pencil to paper. So, have fun with your practice. Don't limit your practice to just simply doing the same thing over and over. Break it up. Have some fun with it. You don't always have to be with pencil and paper. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but you don't always have to do it that way. Players break down the games and the season basically exactly that. Even though they'll worry about the specific game coming up, they'll also worry about the season as a whole. You know, when you start looking at the game, you're going to worry about that game and what it's going to take in order to succeed at that, to win at that game. You're going to try to figure out what skills you have that you need to draw upon in order to succeed at whatever's coming up. If you know you've got a particular team, a particular player you're going to be up against, you're going to try to figure out how to practice so as to take advantage of that person's particular flaws. That is, in this situation, you're going to try to maximize his weaknesses while at the same time maximizing your strengths as well. Well, obviously, you're not going to be dealing... The game now isn't completely great for an artist, but look at it in terms of individual pages or individual chapters. Instead of looking at the entire book... Just look at the individual chapter you're working on or the individual painting you're having to be working on. You're going to find out real quick that each individual book is its own entity, even if it's part of a greater chain. If I'm doing a three-part series, well, it's still going to be made out of three parts. And I'm going to need to have to figure out how best to conquer each individual part in order to make a better cohesive whole. So obviously, you know, if I'm trying to figure out how something needs to work well first off I want to figure out what the problem is because let's get real ninety percent of what I'm doing is going to be pretty much basic stuff it's going to be you know relatively easy I've got the practice I've got the experience it's not going to be a problem if that can be that other ten percent it's going to be a problem well, I'm going to, need to figure out some way to deal with that extra problem well that's where you go back into practice you figure out what your problem is. You figure out how to solve the problem. And then when you start drawing, you just simply do it. You play to win. And the easiest way to do that is by saying, screw it, I'm going to deal with this piece by piece. Don't worry about dealing with the whole big thing at one time because that's just going to drive you nuts. Deal with whatever is directly in front of you at that particular time. And as sad as I know it's going to be to here, you need to realize that occasionally you need to simply give in the towel. Occasionally you're going to have to realize that you're going to have to take a loss. That should not be seen as a bad thing. I mean, sure, it's a great time to, you know, learn from your errors, figure out how to fix them, and then be better the next time. You know, don't get me wrong on that. But the bottom line is that no artist, nobody ever wants to give in a towel. Nobody ever wants to admit weakness and the surest way of admitting you're weak is by, well, taking a loss. The reality is you're going to have to do that every so often. You're going to have to say, hey, I can't do this, at least not at this point in time. You can either give up on it completely or come back to it later. Personally, I'd prefer the come back to it later after you figure out a little bit more about drawing or writing or what have you. But, you know, yeah, it's going to sting. It's going to hurt. It's going to suck. But the bottom line is, you have to every so often, in order to win the game, you're going to have to occasionally admit defeat. That's just the nature of the game. And that applies just as much as it does to baseball as it does to any kind of art so yeah play to win don't get me wrong because it's always great when you win but don't be afraid to lose and above all figure out how to win the next time but at the same time like you said if you're looking at the individual series or starting the individual game you've got to look at the whole series and I'm not just talking necessarily the world series which is great to get to but any given number of games. And here's sort of where the difference between tactics and strategy lies. That is, when you're dealing with an individual game, when you're dealing with, say, an individual book or a group of, even like one whole chapter, the bottom line is you can put full effort into it. You can put that 110% effort into it, and that's cool. You're expected to, and let's get real, it would drive you nuts if you didn't. But when you start looking at your behavior over a period of time you've got to sort of realize that you're going to have a burst of energy here but if you have a burst of energy that also means you're also going to have to take a little bit of time to relax you know you're going to need a day off every so often or even a week off if you've just done something incredibly strenuous yeah you're going to want to go on a beach to Aruba for and just enjoy yourself down there for a week or so. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that because, you know, you need to rest every so often. You need to recharge the batteries. Yeah, there's going to be slumps. There's going to be times when you're depressed over this as well. You know, you're going to basically be trying to figure out how to, you know, make the valleys well as relatively well as high as you can. Sorry, this is always a weird analogy for me because it's, yeah. The bottom line is is that you're going to have slumps and areas of depression and you want to get over those as quickly as possible, as well as make them as shallow as absolutely possible. And once you do that, once you figure out how to do that, it's going to make your crest, that is when you're really on an emotional high or whenever you're on a worker's high, that's going to maximize that time when you can enjoy that duration. It's just a matter of trying to figure out how to balance the two, between the work and the play, so to speak. I mean, sort of look at how a professional ball player does it. Yeah, they do a lot of practice, they do a lot of games, but they also tend to celebrate really well. They take vacations as needed. If they're having some sort of physical injury, they'll take time off to deal with that physical injury. In short, putting out the maximum effort possible also means that occasionally you need to back off and, well, do the absolute minimum level. Occasionally, in order to get through the entire book or the entire series or what have you, you're going to need to take some time off and just for yourself. In short, if you're thinking strategically, you're going to need to realize that you can't put out maximum effort for the entire season you're going to need to take a little bit of time off. More importantly, you're going to need to take time off just to take an occasional step back and to reassess your goals. Sure, a lot of times the goals are going to be pretty simple, you know, finish this particular section. But again, look at the professional athlete, you know. Even though he's going to be trying to put as much effort as he can into scoring as many wins as possible, occasionally he's going to be wanting to set individual records pitchers for example are going to want to drop their ERA as much as possible just as much as the pitchers sorry as much as the hitters going to want to get their RBIs in short not can, can you just simply have the goal of finishing whatever it is but you may have some other goals that are mind that are also career enhancing i mean let's get real a ball player with great stats is a lot more impressive than one who just simply has a great win ratio sure you want that win ratio but You know, you also want to have some sort of proof of how good you really are. That's where all those stats come in. So, you know, setting those particular stats, setting an ERA of, say, you know, two or even three, isn't necessarily a whole lot of bad. It's setting a goal, and if you happen to do better than that goal, great. But in order to attain that goal, or you, to exceed that goal, you have to set it in the first place. The baseball player throughout a season is going to be reassessing those goals to determine if they're realistic and to possibly even reset those goals. In a lot of ways, using artists need to do pretty much the exact same thing. You need to determine if what you're trying to do is actually feasible, and if so, how to best attain it. This is the difference between tactics and strategy. Tactics is just simply winning the battle, whereas strategy is about winning the war. You need and the way you do them is sometimes counterintuitive relative to the other. So just figure out what you need to do to do whatever you're trying to do in terms of you know, pages produced. Uh, are you trying to try some new art style and try to pull it off? You know, there's fifty seven different types of goals you as an artist can set for yourself figure out what your goals are, and reassess as necessary. Now, while he's doing this, a professional ball player has a coach. That is, somebody that is in charge of their training and can help them along get better at a particular skill or group of skills. Obviously, the bigger the ball team, the more coaches you have, the more specialized those coaches can get. So if you're having a very specific problem, it's just a matter of figuring out who's the right coach to go to. Also, during practice itself, you've got coaches are constantly giving the player's input. That is, if the coach notices that the person is, say, drawing towards the right just a little too much, they'll fit, try to help the person get that aim just in a little bit better. Or... You know, same applies to if the person's getting way too many foul balls because of the way they're placing their feet. Yeah, you'd be surprised at the stuff that can make you get a foul ball. But, the bottom line is is that the coach allows a player an extra set of eyes. And by taking advantage of the extra set of eyes, they can figure out ways to deal with particular problems. On top of that, a good coach will always try to figure out, you know, once you figure out that the player has attained a certain plateau, they'll try to figure out ways to get them off that plateau and try to teach them all sorts of new things or new approaches. On top of that, to a certain degree, what's really cool about having a coach, especially in certain areas, is that sometimes the coach will have connections that you take advantage of. After all, the coach usually was a player and of themselves or they've had to set a network up in order to become a better coaching. Well, look at this from an artist's perspective. If you've got somebody who can help you over a rough patch, that is, you're having some sort of issue when it comes to drawing or what have you, you can actually go to someone else and say, hey, I need some help with this. Everything that a baseball coach does in terms of figuring out what you're doing wrong and helping you correct that or noticing that, hey, you've pretty much hit a plateau, that is, you're pretty much doing the exact same thing all the time, you need to change that up a little bit, here's how you do it. You know, you're going to want a coach to teach you a few new tricks. Yeah, sometimes you can get this out of an art book, but at the same time, having an actual person you can go to and say, hey, I'm having a problem, how do I solve it, is a major advantage. And again, everybody has connections. And as an artist, you want to take advantage of those connections. Relative to be having a mentor, that means you can go to the mentor and say, hey, do you know somebody who does this because I need help in that particular area? That mentor can usually either hook you up with the right person or can give you a lead to that person. You know? When it comes to the art world... Never doubt the advantage of a really good coach or, in this case, a mentor. They're pretty much the same thing. You know, I don't care how good of an artist you are. You're always going to need a mentor for something. So keep that in mind. You know, establish it. Once you start establishing your network, make sure you've got people within that network that you can go to for advice. Coaches are always great to have on your side no matter what field you're in and let's get real we're dealing with comics you're going to be dealing with a team just like the baseball player does you're going to need to know over time what your team can do you know if you're working with a writer you know what that writer can do and try to approach them on some of the stuff you're doing um Litter, inkers I don't care what you're dealing with you're if you can work with a team you're going to need to know what that team can do again just like a baseball player A player, in order to win the game, needs to know what the strengths and weaknesses of those around him are. Once he knows what those strengths and weaknesses are, they can work together to minimize the weaknesses while maximize the strengths. You know, that's, that's that really cool part of working on a team. More importantly, baseball players recognize that not everybody can do everything. I don't care how good you are as a baseball player, there's just simply going to be, you know, if you're a pitcher you're not always going to be able... You might have an incredibly quick, powerful fastball, but you may not have the world's greatest curveball. You know? And in some situations, you're going to need a curveball more than you will the, the fast. Um, I mean, if nothing else, you'd be, it'd be fun to watch how devastating a slowball can be. The reality is, is that... Whereas a good pitcher is going to know all those basic pitches and can, you know, switch it up a little bit. He's not always going to be the best person for that particular situation. And by having somebody else who can come in and take over for a second or two it's not always a bad thing. You know, and this goes over to the battle thing even in a battle, you can't have a situation where you're going to be able to go through the entire thing. You're going to need somebody to come in and say, you know, can you do this for me? Even if it's a few pages. You know, if you're dealing with a comic book series, having somebody come in and deal with an issue or two is not, is always going to be a good thing because it allows you time to back off and go take a break vacation. You know, and then come back to it later. This is also a really great treat for your fans. I and mean, trust me we're going to get into the fans but being part of a team is that you also know your position you know if you're the writer you're going to know all the really cool neat tricks about writing and you uh, you know you're going to know about the hero's journey you're going to know about when to use symbolism and when to be direct you're going to know all this you know when to develop plot versus characterization yeah there's some really cool stuff you can do as a writer to really do some really cool, great stuff to a story sure the artist can do some really cool stuff too but you know obviously I'm going for the writer here um, but so can the letterer I mean there's a lot of people who do some really horrible lettering to the point where they had to invent comic songs which is arguably the most evil font ever but the bottom line is, is that you're going to know. You should know your position to be an expert in that position, but this doesn't mean you should know a little bit about the other positions as well. If you're a writer, for example, knowing a lot of stuff about, you know, even art history means you can occasionally go to the artist and say, "Hey, can you try this?" You know, the worst thing an artist can do is look at you funny and maybe hire an assassin. But generally speaking, depending on the situation, the artist may be willing to try that. The only way you're going to know for sure is if you actually talk to the artist. And the other cool thing about being on a team is that you have people that aren't afraid to call you out. If you're royally screwing up and they need to basically slap you around, they're going to do it. Obviously, a professional athlete, they have a financial reason for doing so. If you're really screwing up games, they need to solve that particular problem as quickly as possible. Well, the same applies to the comic book industry. You know, if you're hitting a situation where your art just simply sucks, or you're just simply not falling through on the characters as well much as you used to, or you let the plot go into cliches, yeah, somebody's going to need to go in and slap you around. Working with a team does have its advantages. Of course, you're also working with a team, and, well, that can create its own problems in and of itself. But usually, it bounces out, and, in fact, it is even better to work with a team than working solo. So don't be afraid to work as part of a team. And I guess it wouldn't be professional, ba- professional athletes if we weren't talking about Fans. First off, yeah, fans are great. Fans can suck. The catch with a fan is that you're always going to be wanting to figure out. Well, let's step back. When it comes down to playing to the fans, you're going to want to you're going to want to play to them, and you're also going to, want to make appearances. Well, playing to the fans can be all sorts of fun. Something a lot of sports people have realized over the years is that, well, playing to the fans can be sort of a fun thing. Uh, Let's have a little bit of fun with this. Let's say I'm almost tempted to simply switch targets. You know, there's something sort of cool about going into a baseball diamond, raising your hands, getting all the attention, figuring out who likes you, who hates you, and who loves you focusing all that energy onto you and then letting it express itself through whatever it is you do. This is why we have cheerleaders. You know, if you ever want to get, get that really cool attention thing going, you know, walk it onto a baseball diamond, raise your bat, get all the attention on you, and you're gonna find out you've got a really lot of a really huge amount of energy there. As a professional athlete, you're gonna to wanna to tap into that energy. It's gonna help you help your endurance, it's gonna help your play, it's gonna help you get into better focus. You know, this is sort of why a lot of people when it comes to comics say that there has to be a fandom. You know, yeah, the fans pay your bills, don't get me wrong on that. I don't care how much money you, You're, you know, you think you're making, you can always be making more, and the only way you can do that is by increasing your fan base. And in order to increase your fan base, you're going to have to play to the fans a little bit. This isn't necessarily a bad thing. What I'm sort of looking at here is that, yeah, you're going to have that artistic integrity question at all times. Don't get me wrong on that. Especially if you're looking at trying to create a more loyal fan base the obvious two ways you can do with this are you can create one product strictly for the fans that you're just simply going to have fun with and you know you're just going to have you know let's do this for the fans and then do your own little projects that are much more artistic based but you know take advantage of the fact that you do have a fan base If you've got a specific question about a historical entry, odds are you can go to your fans. You're having a continuity issue? Odds are you've got fans that have set up continuity databases. You know, Wikipedia is not necessarily something you as the artist will be setting up and updating everything else. You know, that's usually left to your fans. So you've got a lot of information that you can take advantage of that your fans have given you. And that if you ask for it, odds are you can get you know, get it in turn. On top of that, if you're having a major problem, well, remember everything I said about coaches? Well, the advantage of having a fan base is that you've got you know, a practically infinite number, potential of coaches you can go to that will have no problem calling you out on things. If you do something that will be stupid, expect to be called out on it. You know, if you kill off the wrong hero, yeah, you're going to have right on your hands. But this applies just as much as if you happen to be going along a long story, because you're going to find out real quick that if you're going on the wrong track for a particular story, you're going to hit a wall and you're going to hit it hard. But if you're paying attention to your fans and judging them just a little bit. And positively, because we all judge it negatively. Um, Just pay attention to what your fans are saying, and odds are you're not going to hit that wall. Or if you get close to hitting that wall, your fans will have provided a way for you to get out of that wall. You get out of that trap. You get the idea. Fans are not necessarily a bad thing. In fact, if somebody looks at fans just being completely useless, this person really doesn't probably have a lot of fans in the first place. The bottom line is if you play the fans not only are you going to find you've got some really incredible energy you can tap but you've also got a lot of people that are trying to help you with the story because they're just as emotionally invested in it as you are as you are practically I mean obviously you're a lot more into it than they are but you'd be surprised at the kind of energy a great fan base can provide and you can pick up a couple of fans that are great cheerleaders that is are willing to stay with you through thick and thin and are willing to have you know just simply cheer you on as needed you've got an incredibly great fan base just try to avoid the toxic ones but that's up to how you want to deal with it on the other hand one of the really cool things about being an athlete is basically making appearances from a fan's perspective, there's nothing better than the chance to actually sit down, even if it's for a millisecond, say, hi your fans, I love you, can I get your autograph on this, that, or the other thing? And then you've got a fan who's even more energized. Remember what I said about that cute little bit of energy you get from a fan? Yeah, you've got a really neat little food back loop going. And you can do that with each individual fan you can energize your fans. and Your energy fans can come back and energize you. And by making appearances, you create this neat little feedback loop that does exactly that. Every time you shake a hand with the fan, sign what they want, say hi, just like baseball players realize since practically day one, the more energized your fans are will power, whatever you need them to power. And baseball players, you know, I'm out in the middle of a field, I've got a bat in hand, I have no idea what to do, I'll do something incredibly silly just to get somebody's attention and focus them on that, and look at what happens. You know, you've got urban legends based on stuff people have done for fans, and as long as fans are aware of those urban legends, you've got a power source you can tap. I mean, look at what the babe did. Babe Ruth went to a hospital said, Hey, I'll hit this ball this particular area, and when I do it, you'll know it's for you. You know, I'll hit it right over second base. And when I do it, you'll know that it's for you, and I want you to get better. Well, as it happened during the baseball game, the babe hit a ball right over second. And this, of course, made his fan in the hospital. You know, eventually the guy got better. And yeah, 90% of that is pretty much urban legend. But look at the galvanizing effect it has to all the other fans of the babe. He was willing to do this just to make that kid get better. That's what they're thinking. You know, this this is somebody who went to the map for us on something. Just to prove that, you know he could and more importantly he did it for us if you can set up that particular link between you and your fans you've got a really nice little energy source for later on and yeah there's even a certain degree where this is I mean yeah it's going to be incredibly stressful because let's get real nobody likes doing public appearances but on the flip side you know, you're going to find this is a really great little stress relief because you're basically going to be finding out that all the stress, all this effort you've been putting into stuff, has somebody actually interested in what you're doing, and you don't. That's sort of a you have no idea how galvanizing that is to have somebody believe in what you're doing that has no real, uh, you know, I want to say there's no real emotional investment, but let's get real. Is any comic pro knows... If you screw up a character... You're going to be hearing about it for decades. I don't care if it's something subtle. Just look at Kitty Pride Kissing Colossus at the wrong time. Yeah, they've had to deal with that flock for years. I don't care if you're Chris freaking Claremont. There's stuff you're going to be dealing with for years. But... At the same time... You, as a creator, want to have some sort of fan base. Not only is this fan base going to pay the bills, and the bigger the fan base, the better the bills are going to be paid, if you get my drift. You're also going to find that there's a really great coaching situation as well as a really great energy situation. And in order to do this, occasionally you have to play to the fans. This means not just simply figuring out who the fan favorites are and playing with them. This sort of explains Wolverine and Batman. And that Merc was a mouth person. But, I mean, those guys should have died a long time ago for the popularity, I tell ya. But, you also need to do personal appearances somewhere along the line. You know, show up at a convention and say, hey, I'm here. Even if it's an Artist Alley type of situation, you're making yourself available to your fans. And you're going to find out that a lot of your money doesn't necessarily come from the books themselves. It comes from doing the signatures. It comes from doing the commissions. It comes from doing a lot of the merch. And you can do have a lot more fun with the merch than you can with your own book because you can do stuff on a poster that you can't do in the book. You know, you've got, you want to do your own fanfic based off your own characters? Trust me. Not only will nobody stop you, but odds are they will even encourage you. And sometimes, in all the wrong ways. Which, of course, eventually become all the right ways. And let's get real. If you're a comic creator and you see somebody going out there, you know, dressed up as one of your characters, you know John Byrne has got to be going static every time you see somebody dressed up as She-Hulk. You know what I mean? And we won't talk about Eric Larson in Dragon cosplay. Even if they modify it to meet their own needs. There should be nothing wrong with somebody coming in and cosplay and having a lot of fun with it and individualizing it to that particular person. But, that's a minor digression. The bottom line is is that you go to a convention and you actually meet your fans. Well, yeah, a lot of these people are jerks and there are going to be a lot of toxic fans. But, nine times out of ten, you're going to find out that these fans will in fact energize you. And by energizing... Oh, obviously, you know You're energizing them And then they're energizing you right on back It's a really great feedback loop And if you as an artist can set up that feedback loop Yeah, you're going to be a lot more successful So, what have you learned about baseball players? And more importantly about ourselves Well, first off, follow through Mandatory You need to put as much energy into whatever you're doing In order to succeed at it Practice doesn't just make perfect. The better you are, the more practice you're putting in. Yeah, I know it's usually a flip, but trust me. You're going to find out that if you want to get better, you're going to have to practice, you're going to have to study, you're going to have to discuss things with other people. The bottom line is, practice makes perfect because you don't have much of a choice otherwise. Um, You're going to basically want to worry about the game. These are your extreme short-term goals. You want to get through the chapter. You want to get through the book. You know, you're know going to want to win the game. Don't be afraid to accept a loss. Learn from it, obviously. But don't be afraid to accept a loss. Nonetheless, play to kick ass. You want to strategize. You want to figure out what goals are. You want to look at your goals and if necessary, reassess those goals. Um, you want to figure out what it takes to basically... Be, make a successful comic book and the only way you can do that is by constantly reassessing what's going on with that particular comic book it doesn't get any simpler than that strategy is something you need to look into listen to your coach yeah if you want to play with a mentor I'm fine with that but the bottom line is listen to the guy find somebody you opinion you trust and then basically talk this person up as much as you possibly can. Figure out which ways you can come up with new tricks, you know, solve old problems, and have a lot of fun together. At the same time, make sure you work with a team in general. I don't care if it's something as simple as a booking agent. You know, I want to go to this convention, talk to this agent. That's cool. But you also may want to be part of a comic book team. The writer... The you know the writer the draw you uh, want to go draw, <laughs> the writer the illustrator the letter the colorist so on and so forth down to the marketing team. You want to work with that team in order to become as successful as possible, and there's always an advantage to being part of a team. Yeah, teams can get annoying, but usually it works out you also want to play to the fans you want to do whatever you can to do to energize your fan base so that way they can come back and energize you and trust me there's going to be times where you're going to appreciate that energy if you can make appearances so much the better because there's nothing that basically allows you to see your effects of your comic as actually being there so the bottom line is to learn from who you can. In this case, you, I hope, learned a lot of stuff from baseball. That said, have a good night.